The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome to the weekend. Let's talk money. It's Hi-Fi Radio. I'm Wolfgang Klein. Thank you for joining us. It is a privilege to spend the next hour with you. Jack by my side. It's going to be a good show, Jack. You lined up some good guests. Uh, share with the audience uh, our star lineup for today. Absolutely. We've got uh, some of the best, actually, guests that we've had uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, Sandy McIntyre. So he is uh, a retired strategist known from Century. And uh, we also have Rich Davis, which was one of our analysts, helped us get onto technology, I'm going to say, very early in 2017, 2018. And then also, actually, we exited very well and pivoted towards the more resource-centric Canadian themes uh, benefiting us this year. When did we pick up Microsoft? That was before 18, Jack. I remember buying Microsoft. It, it, it and was, and at, the, at the point, he was very tepid on Microsoft uh, correct. because it was 10 years of actually not working, Correct, and it finally worked. Yeah, and you know what actually motivated me to buy Microsoft? I'm going to go back to, I think that was about 2011, 2010, 2011, I can say, when we put our toe back in the water in technology after the great tech wreck. And... Uh, what motivated me for the, for, was going up to Yorkdale and taking a look at the new Microsoft store. Uh, it was incredible. Uh, it really was transformational. Uh, they were coming out with a new operating system. They were actually starting to create hardware and creating silos of business revenue, of which they now have. Microsoft now has four significant silos of revenue, um, you know, from their operating system to servers to services and to, to products, I believe. Uh, remarkable, remarkable company. But it, too, is in a bear market. It, I just say, it goes to show you, though, Wolf, when things are out of favor for so long, no one owns them. And the same thing happened with oil back in uh, 2020, 2021. No one wanted oil. Guess what? 2022 was the year of energy. Great setup. Great so. setup. And again, uh, it looks like there, there's a good chance tech goes well, is cold right now and perhaps remains cold uh, for three, four, five, six years. Baton being passed, perhaps two more value-oriented. Uh, the Dow uh, Industrials, the 30 stalwarts of United States, the 30 most boring large business in America, outperforming the NASDAQ, outperforming the S&P 500. Uh, that is that shift to value theme. Uh, the question is, does that remain for the next three to five years, uh, or is that a temporary cyclical um, uh, rotation where we'll see tech take leadership again? Much of tech's wreck was caused by rising interest rates. Uh, Sandy McIntyre, uh, uh, a market strategist, a, a rate expert, I shall say, uh, retired, uh, but continues to remain very, very active uh, writing. Uh, used to be, of course, a, a strategist with uh, Century Select. Uh, they were acquired um, by CI. As a matter of fact, we're having lunch with CI later today. Uh, we're going to say hello on your behalf when we sit down with your former colleagues there, uh, Sandy McIntyre. But Sandy, thank you very much for uh, joining us. And of course, you spend some of your time uh, in the world of philanthropy, Locte Foundation. Uh, kudos to you, my friend. Uh, how are you, Sandy? I'm good, and I'm glad I'm not by the shores of Loch Tay in November. <laughs> yeah, November is a chilling month, month indeed it is, and uh, this is, I think, quite seasonal of a, of a period. Uh, market-wise, uh, not so bad. Uh, you buy when it snows. Got some snow on the ground. Buy when it snows, sell when it goes. Any merit to that statement, Sandy? Um, <clears throat> typically, there is a Santa Claus rally. Um, but a Santa Claus rally 
in a bull market is very different from a Santa Claus rally in a bear market. Mm. And we, we are still technically in a bear market. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a seasonality to the stock market. And uh, I've heard that part of it is due to contraction of credit on the agricultural cycle, but I can't prove that. Um, the um, seasonal lows are seasonally weakest months are September, and you get major lows frequently in October. And we had a, a significant low in the first uh, few days of October. The next seasonal low is February mm-hmm. and then May. Uh, in recessionary bear markets, you will either have your low in October or your low in February. Uh, We've got a a volatile rally off the October low. Um, It's approaching the 200-day moving average, and I know technical is gobbledygook to most people, but the reality is that supply comes into the marketplace, people start selling when you get what are called resistance points. Mm -hmm. Um, Program trading, without question. Yeah, I'd be fading this rally um, and being patient through the winter. And it's going to be a tough winter. You've got recession in Europe. You've got recession in the UK. You've got economic collapse, possibly, in Russia. Uh, You've got huge problems in Iran. And uh, you have the Fed still tightening. Um, Where the Fed stops, we do not know. But my personal view is it's not as extreme as the media talks about. I think the next Fed tightening, whether it's 50 or 75 basis points, is the last tightening for the cycle. And, And that is what the bond market is telling me. You know, I want to speak about uh, inflation and why the central banks are on such a fight to um, uh, put it out. And I think the, I think it can be clearly summarized in the results out of Target this week. Uh, Target came up with its quarterly results. It disappointed the streets. And much of the blame it has towards its woes is theft. And they actually called it organized retail theft. They caused Target to take a $400 million write-down. In good times when people have money, crime rates do drop. Theft does go down. Uh, but when times get tough and people are pushed out of their homes and out of their apartments and out of their jobs, all of a sudden they do things that they normally wouldn't do just to survive. And theft is one of them. <clears throat> so I, I believe that the cheap money, Sandy, that we have experienced and, and, and benefited from for the last three decades is part and partial to blame for much of societal's problems today due to asset prices getting out of control and the marginal personal being no longer able to afford it. Again, could, how, could you imagine just have to look for an apartment in Toronto to rent as a student coming out of school or, you know, what you're faced with? And, and that is pure inflationary pressures. And I think we, we as a people uh, in our industry need to speak to the general public and tell them, you know, why we're taking Buckley's medicine and what, what, what the symptoms are and what the cure is and that, yeah, it's going to taste awful, but it will work. In other words, rising rates will slow the economy down. There'll be some unintended consequences there. But hopefully you get some price reprieve. Real estate's the obvious, and guess what? It has worked. Real estate prices have corrected some 20%. Uh, obviously, Jack and I and here talking to you about the stock market and the bond market and the currency market and the likes. Uh, and certainly, 
tech stocks that became so egregious, they have come down to earth. But that stuff doesn't really affect the person on the street. Prices that rise when it comes to food inflation, um, uh, even energy I'm going to put aside, is food and shelter that we need first and foremost. They got out of control. So, Sandy, can you speak to you know the societal impacts of inflation and why, in fact, central banks don't speak more about why it's a bad thing and why they have to take such mean measures? Because the central bank is really working against many of the um, citizens, where citizens are now scrambling to uh, increase their monthly payments on their variable rate mortgages because uh, the price has gone parabolic on them the fed has only one tool the central banks only have one tool and that is the cost of money in the short end of the money uh, of the yield curve Um, when you get embedded inflation into housing costs it is fed by low interest rates Mm -hmm. and um, my view was the policy mistake of the past 10 years was keeping short rates artificially low, which enabled the pricing of housing to go through the roof. Uh, Back in the 70s when I was at National Trust, we had a rule of thumb that the house you could afford was two and a half times your annual income and it would consume uh, between 25 and 30% of your annual income in mortgage payments. We were seeing in Vancouver and Toronto housing getting into the order of six, seven, eight times annual income. Wow. And while the carry was not bad, the leverage was way too high. And, and, uh, in order to make housing affordable, there's only one way you can do it. It's to drive down the price of housing. Absolutely. The uh, You talk about the carry there, Sandy, and that's directly related to low interest rates. So, you know, if you have a $2 million place and you can borrow basically for 2%, it's very affordable. The problem is mm. at the end of the day, like Wolfgang referenced, a lot of these mortgages are variable and that that's the push that we've had over the last, I'm going to say since the pandemic, much more Canadians have that variable rate mortgage. Down in the U.S., they actually have 30-year mortgages. So Canadians are much more exposed than the, the Americans are, not only because of the variable rates, but anyone that has an in- a mortgage right now in Canada, if it's a three-year mortgage, at some point, well, in the next three years, hmm. they're going to get reset. They are going to get exposed to those higher interest rates, um, less principal being paid down, and it directly affects the housing market. So Warren Buffett said it best, higher interest rates are just like gravity. They bring down asset prices. It's remarkable because housing prices have fallen 20%, yet affordability has diminished. Houses are less affordable today because the cost to carry has gone up 50%. So price is down 20, but cost to carry has gone up 50%. To borrow $100,000 a year ago cost you approximately $330 a month. Now it's costing you approximately five sixty a month. That's a big delta. We're going to take a quick break, get back to Sandy McIntyre, Market Talk Saturday night. Pleasure and a privilege to spend some time with you. I promise if you stay with us, you're going to learn something. Stay tuned. Let's take a break. Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. 
You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. There comes a time when we heed a certain call When the world must come together as one There are people Dying. Oh, when it's time to lend a hand to life, the greatest gift of all. We can't go on. Sing it, Kenny. Check out Kenny Rogers there. Great piece. Yeah, we are the people, my friends. Jack and I, Sandy McIntyre, we are here for you, the people. We want you to be safe. We want you to be sheltered. We want you to build wealth, and we want you to support, well, those who have less. And, of course, the Covered Sleep House took place this week, a very important event dear to my heart. Uh, please, I do got a page up. You can certainly uh, support the cause. I did not sleep out in the streets this year. I just, uh, when recruited for the task, I unfortunately lost my brother, and I opted out. just wasn't feeling it, um, but I do feel very committed to the cause. Uh, Covenant House, visit my website, uh, visit the page. Uh, please uh, donate and help others. Uh, Jack, can I help you have more money, right? Well, give a little bit back. It's good for you. And guess what? If you give some money, I promise you, you'll have more. You will get more. It's just, it's just the way it works. Someone said, well, if the more you spend, the more you make. It's, I don't know. I guess it motivates you to work harder. Anyways, if you give more, well, you can work a little harder and keep giving. Mr. McIntyre, uh, we are talking interest rates. We're talking housing. Financial plans. Uh, when Jack and I sit down with client and we work on their financial plan with our planner in-house, uh, we make certain assumptions. We assume uh, now that inflation for the next 10, 15 years is going to be 3%. Previously, you would have said 2 We assume asset prices when it comes to portfolios can rise between 5 and 7%. So we do two plans based on 5, one based on 7. And for the next 10 years, I am telling clients in your portfolio, any real estate assets, 0% growth rate just for forecasting, for financial planning purposes, we're going to assume a 0% growth rate for the next 10 years on your home. People are like, how can you do that? Well, guess what? The bear market in real estate just begun. And I purchased my first home, Sandy, at the top in 1990. I nailed the top in 1990. And my mortgage payment, my interest rate was 11 and three quarters percent. And as soon as I bought my first home at the age of 26, the price of that house started to fall. And it hit bottom in 96. And then the new real estate bull market in Canada began and took another three years probably to get back to even. So point to point, it was about a 10-year, I'm going to call it bear market in real estate before new highs were made. Uh, Sandy, you can relate to what I'm talking about. Speak to that, please. Yeah, I I went into a very detailed analysis of uh, Toronto housing prices uh, quite a few years ago. And what I found was that between 89 and around 94, 95, the median house price in Toronto fell by around 25%. Well, median means half are higher and half are lower. Mm -hmm. The low end of the market actually didn't fall all that much. Um, We we had our first house in East York. It was uh, semi-detached. And we actually were flat from 89 to 94. Hmm. Um, We put a little money in for renovations. When we went to upgrade, the house that we bought in North Toronto was down around 35% from where the purchaser had bought it. Huh. And uh, we, you know, 
Now, that, that sounds really nice. I have a good friend who had a house in um, Moore Park, and they lost 50% on it. I, can, you know what's interesting, Sandy? Because I think the exact opposite is happening in this bear market in real estate. I think the low-end stuff is correcting the most because that's what was bid up so much. And the really high-end stuff, I had a client of ours in North Toronto say, well, I don't think my house has actually fallen in value. Would you agree with that? Um, it depends if there's a willing bidder out there. Uh, we, you know, we sold our house in Oakville um, in June because we were approached by somebody who wanted that specific house in that specific location. So you, uh, you did okay on the sale? Yeah, we said we said to our agent, this, you know, name a price you think's ridiculous, and they hit the price. Well, uh, so that's, that's my point. And in Oakville, you're in the old Oakville ASU. Yes. Yeah. So that's my point. The high end stuff, but the high end stuff. Corrected. I would say the high end stuff, Wolfgang, is less liquid. There's less people that can actually afford that. If it's a, a new home, maybe eight hundred thousand dollars in Toronto. But I agree with your point. The fact is, uh, individuals in lower incomes were able to afford much more because of low interest rates. I, I just think back to that story. And it, it was actually it didn't mark the top. I expect it to mark the top. You remember the story, Sandy, as well. And I know you do, Jack. A garage in Little Italy. Uh, along college in the college strip, yeah. it, we right. Sandy's laughing. It, it sold for what was it over a million dollars? Yeah. But, but that's a actually garage. What, that's, that's actually what happens at the end of a Cor- bull market. Correct. So the you ju- end up the having, junk goes up the most. Absolutely. And I'm not saying junk, but like second tier markets, like you know, way out in Kingston or Windsor or London. Those houses were I don't know if they were tripling. They were certainly doubling in like two years. They made more gains in one or two years than they did in the previous 20. Okay, the only people living in that garage on college was rats, okay, <laughs> my friends? Uh, I don't know, for a million bucks, <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, it, it, it is incredible. Um, Sandy, we, Jack and I just had lunch uh, with Martin Reberge, our own, uh, one of our three strategists at Canaccord. And uh, Martin was, Jack's going to say, quite bearish, thinks the market is likely range-bound, uh, perhaps for another year or so, and does expect, you know, be careful of this rally. It, it is getting... You know, to that point of resistance, that 4,000 on the S&P 500. And again, friends at home, I don't want you to start to trade your account based on what we're talking about. We're just trying to prepare you for, you know, the road ahead. If you own quality and a proper asset mix, you stay with the quality and the asset mix you have as long as it's appropriate for you. Uh, but it's good to have some kind of an idea of the market coming at us so we can be better with our minds prepared to tolerate the volatility. But without question, there is a sense that uh, in the first half of next year, perhaps then the market low will be made. And again, Martin said the same thing. A low could be in right now. Uh, the, the the low made in the fall of this year, September, I guess, is when the low was. Uh, September was an awful month, seasonally speaking. You do get the third-year presidential cycle aspect working in our favor. You got gridlock in the United States government. That's favorable for the market. Prices have come down. Uh, next year will be the year for a recession. Doesn't mean the market's going to continue in that direction. That was the market corrected this year. You know, a probability, a, a lower low could happen in Q1, Q2 of next year. My guess is, I'm going to say it'll happen in March. It just, it was a Shakespeare or, uh, you know, beware the Ides of March. Who was that, Sandy? You know better than I. Was it Shakespeare? Yeah, that was, that was uh, Macbeth. King, Macbeth, that's right. Beware. I always find March to be a tough month for me. Julius Caesar. <laughs> Caesar, that, that's, that's right. That's right, yeah. Uh, uh, that's where they're classics. There's a lot of great wisdom in those classics. But again, Sandy, I want you to speak to that. You know, what's your sense? Uh, how does next year play out? Give us a quarter by quarter, you know, guesstimate. Uh, and it's an it's educated guesstimate, so that's why I want to hear it. Uh, unfortunately, I have to do a little math. Valuations 
are still too high. Um, the PE or price earnings ratio on the Dow is 19 times earnings. That, that works when inflation is 1% to 2%. It doesn't work when inflation is 6 to 7%. Uh, the multiple is still too high. Um, we are going into a season, an econo- seasonally weak economic period in the midst of a tightening cycle. We're setting up for a weak fourth quarter. Retail sales aren't looking great. We're setting up for a weak first quarter. Um, that can lead to a call of a recession in this period sometime next year. Mm-hmm. They always call recessions after they've happened. Um, I, my view is there is a better than 50 chance odds that we will see a lower low in the February-March time frame. Yep. I, I would be a buyer of that lower low with the Fed pivoting and entering an easing cycle and basically a panic, having gone too far. The economy always reaccelerates in the second quarter. Uh, there'll be pent-up demand, and if we have seen the housing correction continue and a introduction of better affordability through rate cuts, um, you create a cyclical upturn based on new housing, better affordability, and uh, there's there is a desperate need for it. Oh, supply uh, supply I, I, restriction, unbelievable. Sorry to interrupt, Sandy, but that is, I think, a switch that governments internationally should be flipping. Build more. Houses. There is such demand. There's no inventory still in Toronto, so garbage will still sell for elevated price in Toronto, I believe. Um, yeah. Well, if you go to Europe, where they have had a structural drive to increase density in cities, um, the streetscape is five to seven story buildings all along the boulevards forming courtyards in the back for air and light. Um, you know, Barcelona is a fantastic oh, example of oh. this. This should be the streetscape that's evolving on Mount Pleasant, on Avenue Road, on Bayview, on DuPont. Uh, but unfortunately, the single-family housing dwellers protest this voraciously. They don't want the shadow of the taller buildings. Sandy, I just wanted to touch on one uh, one major point that you brought up there. So valuations, 19 times for the Dow. So for the listeners out there, what that means is investors are willing to pay $19 for a dollar of earnings. Sandy says that rate has to come down in a higher inflation environment. Right now we're in 6 7%. Looking, at the, looking forward though, Sandy, uh, you could also make the same argument for the 10-year. Who would buy a 10-year bond at 3.7% when inflation's running at 6 7 So. What the bond market is telling us, Jack, is that this is a transitory phase for inflation and it is coming back to 2%. Right. Mm. So that, that was the point I was going to make. So in that environment, so the bond market's telling you that. Is the stock market saying the same thing? Because my belief is, you know, 2022 was the year of higher rates and inflation. Next year is going to be economic slowdown, uh, lower rates. And in that environment, maybe the 19 times earnings is not that high. The other point that I would make is that 19 times earnings is skewed to the higher end because of large cap technology growth 
I believe, and Martin Roberge believes as well, that that is still has to come down because I think it's in and around 30% of the overall S&P 500. Yeah, the mega caps. Yeah, mega Seven caps should stocks. be maybe 20. So maybe that's where you get the, uh, the multiple contraction. And then you also get an earnings recession going into 2023 as well. What do you think, Sandy? Uh, I would agree with that analysis. Martin's bang on. Um, the, you know, if I get my artificial brain out, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to look at the uh, PE on the NASDAQ, see where that still is. Because the NASDAQ uh, top five. By 200 is 20. The PE ratio of the S&P 500 is 20. Now, those are, in fact, um, uh, trailing earnings. On a go-forward basis, the problem is the market is not expecting a whole lot of earnings growth, 1% to 2% earnings growth this year and next year. Um, but I will say, I caught that the market does expect the S&P 500 to have earnings go flat for two years and ramp up to 250, I think, in 2024, 2025. So if you put a 20 multiple on 250, that's now S&P 5,000. But maybe the S&P is only worth 15 times 250. That would be take, take you back to about 4,100, 4,200. Martin does think we're probably in a range bound. Jack, what's that range for the S&P? 3,000 to 4,000 to keep the math easy? Yeah, I was going to say 3,700 plus, yeah, 3,700 plus 400 or minus 400. Okay, so minus 400 takes you to 3,300 yeah. and yeah, yeah, 41. So 3,300 to 4,100, you think the range Which is, is a 20% range. It's not a small range. What do, you, what do you think of that, Sandy? I don't think you get to 15. Uh, 15 multiple, yeah. that's too low. That's too low, you're thinking, right? Yeah. Yeah. The PE on the uh, NASDAQ 100, which is essentially the mega cap uh, technology mm-hmm. and uh, consumer, is around uh, 24 times. Well, that's not that bad. That's so cr- it has certainly corrected. Uh, but obviously, growth is uh, waning. Yeah. They're just trying to now increase earnings by cost-cutting. Uh, we have to talk to our next guest, Rich Davis, about uh, Elon Musk uh, with his <laughs> cost-cutting initiatives. <laughs> if you don't come to work, we're going bankrupt. Uh, yes, indeed. Sandy McIntyre, uh, my friend, you are a gentleman, uh, a scholar, and a veteran uh, of the financial community. Uh, and, uh, well, you're a man of the people as well. Uh, keep doing the good work at uh, Locte Foundation. Jack and, of course, we'll get you back before Christmas. Uh, we'll call you our Santa Claus, and hopefully uh, you'll have a rally for us at that point in time. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, Sandy. Uh, Jack and I are going to uh, pivot over to Mr. Rich Davis, uh, former analyst at Canaccord, uh, tech analyst, our favorite analyst. In fact, he was at Canaccord, uh, remains a dear friend of ours. Uh, he's at a software company, uh, Unity Software, a company in the midst of a big uh, merger uh, with another software partner. We're going to talk about that and also talk about, well, the, the land of tech or the, uh, shall I say, the grave of tech. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Sandy, have a great one. Uh, friends, we're going to take a quick break and get right back to the show to help you have more money. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? All those nights when you've got no lights, the check is in the mail. Welcome back, my friends. Let's take you down the street to Cheers. 
Yes, we're in Boston with our friend Richard Davis. Well, virtually in Boston. Uh, but Richard Davis is in Boston. And so I said, well, let's give him a little Cheers uh, theme music. And you know what I would like best, uh, you know, when I'm talking business, is to sit at a place like Cheers with a guy like Rich Davis uh, and just uh, chat with him about all kinds of interesting stuff. Because this man is so well-read. He is so learned. And honestly, he was just a really good, helpful friend uh, when he worked with Jack and I at Canaccord. He uh, moved on to try out some new ventures. Um, yep, yep, courage. The man has courage, but, uh, you know, he's confident and smart and also very humble. Uh, works for a company called Unity Software. Mr. Richard Davis, welcome back to Hi-Fi Radio, my friend. Well, thank you so much. It's uh, great to be on again. How, how are my, things in... My pals. And how are things in Boston? Oh, fine. You know, we're getting winter coming just like you guys. And uh, so we're finally starting to see the, the leaves have turned. The leaves are mostly down. So we're uh, getting ready for, for the winter wonderland. You know, I'll, I'll tell you a couple of memorable moments I've had when I went to Boston. Number one, the best clam chowder bar none. The best clam chowder. Yes. Uh, number two, excellent lobster. Very, very good yeah. lobster, Jack. You like lobster, don't you? Absolutely. Have you ever fished for lobster? I haven't fished for I lobster. Fish, I, I did. But I, I fished for sharks actually down in uh, Boston. Yeah, we didn't catch any shark. I was telling you this off air. Didn't catch any shark. Uh, one of the guys made a joke about actually pulling a lobster trap. And the captain said, you don't pull lobster traps in Boston. They'll protect those with firearms. They'll take you out. What do you mean protect them with a firearm? It's property rights. It's, so, so what? it's their property. <laughs> if I, if I, if I going to pull up your trap and, 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 and open up uh, and pull up the lobster, you, you have the right to do what? Yeah, they can shoot you. Blast you with it. Yeah, it's your property. Oh. Richard, what do you think, pal? Is that true? <laughs> well, apparently so. It's, uh, you know, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's coming up from a Canadian. Do you believe a Canadian when it comes to American gun laws? He actually knows what he's talking about? <laughs> uh, let's just say we didn't pull the trap, Wolf. We'll just, we didn't pull yeah. the trap. You're t- <laughs> that's the way to stop you. Just threaten you. <laughs> well, hey, threats work. I'm trying, you know, I, try, I threaten my, my children. I'm going to take them away the cell phone. The only thing is, Jack, you understand threats. The most important thing about a threat is you have to be willing to enforce it. Enforce and it. And you know what? You know who else is making threats out there, Wolf? Elon Musk. You want to talk about threats? Oh. $40 billion acquisition, can't have the staff, making some serious demands. What do you think, Richard? Look, these, it's, that, that, you know, those social platforms are tricky, right? Because they can, you know, they can be hot at one moment and not the other. We always kind of say that they, uh, you know, their competitive moats are about the size of a stream. So, uh, you know, you've seen this already. <laughs> I don't know about your ki- your kids. You know, none of my kids use Facebook anymore. They all use, you know, either chat with WhatsApp and use Instagram, which is part of Facebook, but, uh, it's a tough business. So, uh, you gotta, you know, you gotta stay on top of that stuff and it can slip away quickly if you're not careful. But uh, Jack, you know, said, you know, Elon can handle it. If, you know, if he paid what $40 billion for Twitter, um, if, if it does go bankrupt, I would say, my goodness me, that would be the most historic hero to zero ever. But Jack said, no, no zero. He'd still be left with 150 billion. So he can actually absorb Correct. losing 40 billion dollars uh, but come on he's not gonna and he would never make, he would never bankruptcy. pay taxes again in his life yeah he'd have tax loss carry forwards forever wow yeah uh, wow 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 um 
Well, Richard, let's go. Let's go to your business uh, again. I want you to talk to the audience a little bit about what. And I, you, you sent me some some work that your company did uh, yeah. for in the studio for for studio production. Uh, Mind boggling. Yeah. Like, oh my god, how real yeah. that work looks. Uh, but so, talk yeah. about what does Unity do? And then your company's yeah. in the middle of a big uh, four billion dollar uh, merger, or, or, or is, is, it, is no. it a joint venture acquisition? An acquisition. acquisition yeah. 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 So, yeah. I want to talk about that as well. So, please talk about yeah. first of all, your, what does your company yeah. do? It's cool. Yeah. So we have two parts of our business, kind of 40, 60, 40% and 60%. 40% is the stuff that I sent you, which is basically it's design tools to kind of make, you know, amazing kind of three-dimensional objects and environments that are, you know, physics realistic, light realistic, sound accurate. And we do it so you can put it, you build it once and put it on any device, anywhere, any bandwidth, what have you. And so our we first made a, our name in kind of helping comp- people build games, video games. So about half of all the video games on the planet are made with our tools. Wow. But then we also um, law, uh, last year bought Peter Jackson's uh, tools out of his company called uh, WETA Digital or W-E-T-A. And, uh, and then we also have Industrial. And then on the movies and entertainment, I'll do a shameless plug, but in, the, in December, uh, Avatar 2 comes out and mm. that, was made entirely with our tools, so you can kind of see what uh, see what uh, see what the movies and entertainment part of our business does. But it's uh, it's pretty cool stuff, and uh, so that's what that's what about forty percent of the business is. Then about sixty percent of the business is for what happens after you've built most of the times a game. So most games, if you play a, like a mobile game, for example, are free to play. So the way that the people that build the games get paid is like television. They open up the game usually about four minutes or an hour to put ads in there. So you'll see ads in the games and then they place them. So we help uh, companies figure out where and how and who to place the ads with. Um, but that basically, the goal there is to help once you've built the game is how do you get customers, how do you grow customers, how do you retain customers. And then we have a back-end part of our business that's you know effectively kind of like Amazon Web Services for games, which means we host things, we deliver the content and updates and stuff like that. And then the cool thing about it is, you know, we're number one by a large margin in just about every segment we're in. So, you know, we got a we got a big opportunity. Um, we think if you look at the internet today, probably three or four percent of all the content on the internet is is three dimensional. We think fifty percent of it will be three dimensional, and that's uh, you know at least a hundred thousand fold increase in the amount of compute power you're going to need hmm. to run these things. So it's going to help. You know, we don't do the compute stuff, so that would help you know, big chip guys like uh, NVIDIA or whatever, Cisco perhaps on the routing side, but it's going to be, uh, it's just, you know, it just makes sense. So that's what we do. Well, it's interesting. We're speaking with Rich Davis. We're talking tech. We're talking uh, uh, content creation, uh, gaming, uh, semiconductors. Warren Buffett making a big stake in Taiwanese semiconductor. Wow. That was wow. a big move of the week as well. Uh, so that's what Rich is talking about. Uh, for the type of software they create, it requires more computing power, which requires more chips. Chips have been left for dead, yet semiconductors are a wonderful leading indicator. Perhaps they too have bottomed or turning up. Again, some green shoots. Hi-Fi Radio Show About Money. We want you to have more of it so that you can, well, live a better life and give to charity. Don't forget the Covenant Sleephouse. Please come to my page, support an important cause, and we're going to spend some more time with Rich Davis and talk about uh, tech right after this break. Stay tuned. Want to make more money? Stay tuned for more Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto.
You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back. Great stocking stuffers, Elton John's latest book. Kathleen, my best friend in life, loved the book. Uh, except she, she's the ultimate spoiler alert. Uh, every three pages, she begins laughing. Well, if you got to hear this story. And she shares with me, of course, what she just read. So I already know the book cover to cover, but uh, I may have to give it a, a spin. I, I, I tee that up for you, Richard Davis, our, our good friend and uh, um, big mucky muck over at uh, Unity Software. Um, Elton John uh, in his era, there, there was no video games. It was about pinball machines. And exactly. so some, someone approached him and said, we want to do a Elton John pinball machine. Uh, how cool is that? That man has his tentacles today in everything. But uh, I, did he ever make the gaming? Is there, did he end up in any video games that you know of? And who are these rock stars that end up in video games? Uh, they, they must have been uh, used at some point uh, and incorporated into the overall uh, matrix, shall I say, Richard? Yeah, a few of them have. What was there was um, actually, I think, in this uh, Cyberpunk 2077, which was kind of this dystopian Blade Runner kind of movie, they had uh, Keanu Reeves in it. And so you're playing it and you're like, wait a minute, I recognize that guy. Right. So, uh, so. Big, big, you know, my, my wife loves him as well. A huge, huge, huh. huge philanthropist. Huh. You want to talk about a star of the people? That man rides the subway. He just wants, no no, oh no. yeah, he is so humble and so philanthropic and just so grateful for everything he has. Uh, Richard, let's talk a little bit more about uh, the gaming industry. Again, your company uh, creates software to help uh, build really, really cool games. And then, of course, yeah, you house them and store them and uh, the company's moving in more of a three-dimensional fashion. Uh, Activision. Uh, well, can you speak about Activision? It's on the table. Microsoft wants to take it over. Stock's trading at about, I think, about a 20% discount to takeover price, give or take. Uh, concerns, of course, that the regulators won't allow uh, big Microsoft to buy uh, Activision. Uh, do you think the deal's going to go through? Do you think there's any, any merit in, in antitrust for prohibiting the deal? Yeah, I mean, I think what will happen is is the various regulatory agencies, whether it's U.S. or certainly Europe and stuff like that, will require, you know, require Activision to to play nice. And so what that means, call of duty, die, 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 yeah. <laughs> but play well, nice. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's true. What they have to do is they'll have to say, okay, uh, you know, when when the new Call of Duty comes out, we're going to make sure it's available on both plat, you know, both. Sony and Microsoft at the same time. So in other words, it won't be just contained in, inside of Microsoft. So it'll probably, that's, I think, the way they'll get through it. They'll just say, okay, fine, we'll make sure we're not biasing it towards Microsoft itself. Is and, it, uh, isn't that in their best interest anyways, Richard, to, to have it on both <laughs> platforms? Totally is. I agree. I mean, 100%. that's what you should do. Yeah. So it's uh, it's not, you know, they'll just, they'll go, They'll say, okay, we'll do that. And the regulators will say, okay, fine, I would think. So that's more than likely the, the scenario. But everyone's going to ask for a, you know, their special little thing that they want. But I think that'll happen. Go ahead, Jack. Oh, just to say, Richard, you look at the, the technology landscape, and, and honestly, it has been a crash this year. Uh, the first yep. you know, technology crash was 2000. Everyone remembers that dot com. I'm going to say this is technology crash 2.0. This is more of evaluation right. contraction, right? So things yeah. got way, way too expensive. Trading 30 yeah. times revenue is just 
too much to make any to make money over long term investing in an asset yeah. class. So, what's your view on technology moving into twenty twenty three? And what valuation do you think you can give, you know, a, a good quality tech company in this interest rate environment? Good question. I mean, so if you actually look at it, you know, software has gone from, you're correct, uh, you know, let's just say highly inflated, you know, a year ago to right about its 10 year average. So we're kind of typical software company on a forward, you know, the simplest way to do it is do enterprise value to revenues is like four to seven times, you know, there's people to the left and the right of that range, but that's kind of where most of them are. That's where valuations were for the last decade before we kind of had the run up. The only time it was lower was right after your point, 2000, 2000, 2001, when it got down to about 2.4 times, as I recall, kind of for the average software stock. So that would mean two to three times. I mean, it could go there, I guess. Probably not because the companies, I would argue, are better businesses today than they were back then. So I think we're close to the bottom. I do think the next few months are going to be choppy just because everyone has to figure out what the numbers will be for 23. And as I used to say, when I was on your side of the business, you know, the institutional investors are unencumbered with conviction. So it just depends on what day they wake up and they go, oh, we're happy. Oh, we're sad. We're happy. We're sad. So it's like, whatever. Yeah. So eventually they'll get through this. That's funny. And as you look through the technology landscape, Richard, where would you yeah. start to sort of pick away? Uh, Wolfgang mentioned the semis earlier as an, uh, a bit of a leading indicator yeah. for the technology space, but there's gaming, cloud. Uh, yeah. I'll even throw yeah. crypto has been annihilated. So where, where would yeah. you start picking away and what names maybe would you be looking at? Yeah. So when you're thinking about coming out of a bear market, usually you try to buy a barbell, right? So you try to buy the companies that had the best relative performance on the way down, because that probably means people were trying to buy it as it was going down and or not selling it. And those tend to bounce back first. And then the other end of the barbell is you buy the ones that were absolutely just, you know, microwaved. And, uh, microwave. you know, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, they've come out crispy. And so, what you, you know, you hit by a handful of those because I still remember like in 2003 when everything had been just absolutely just crushed. I mean, you had this rally for like, I guess it was like nine to 12 months where a lot of these stocks like doubled and tripled. Oh, yeah. People were like, how is this, how is this possible? This is impossible. These are all garbage companies. Well, they, you know, at some point, if they're too cheap, they're too cheap and they move. So, um, you know, that's probably where we'll get to. I don't, you know, my, if I had to guess, that happens sometime in spring of next year. So you probably still bounce around a bit, a bit here. Anyways, and then how do you do it? So what do you find is, you know, kind of companies with the best relative performance on the way down. And those are guys like, obviously, the, the big dogs, like, you know, the, the Microsofts and the, you know, maybe a Salesforce, maybe some of these, uh, you know, maybe NVIDIA or something like that, although that's been hit reasonably hard. But the kind of high quality names, you know, making a bunch of money. And then the ones that have been smashed, you can kind of pick the ones with the most operating leverage. Uh, you know, I won't comment on Unity because I'm biased, so you can make your own decision there. But other companies that have been beat to heck, uh, you know, there's some of these, at least in my old space, the tech companies like, uh, and I haven't paid super close attention to them, but, you know, like, a, you know, an Okta or a Twilio or a Mongo or HubSpot, those kind of smaller, you know, small to mid-cap names that are pretty good quality businesses probably would come back reasonably quickly. Uh, Richard Davis, Unity Software, final question for you. Uh, Avatar mm -hmm. 2, a film that was pre exclusively produced using Unity Software's software. Uh, when does that hit the uh, screens? 
think it's like December 12th or something like that. So I think it, it looks pretty good. The trailer, you can find the trailers. They're pretty neat. So hopefully, uh, hopefully it gets good reviews, but I think people, they're, they're anxious to go see a cool movie in the theater. I mean, the last big one was Top Gun Maverick, you know, and after you watch that, you say, I'm going to go become a naval aviator, but, uh, hi-fi radio. That's it, my friends for another week. Uh, hope you learned something. Uh, if you're paying attention, I. I learned something. Jack always teaches me something. Rich Davis, uh, former analyst and now working with Unity, helping uh, them promote their cause. Uh, friends at home, have a great weekend. Any questions for Jack or I, just go to our website, uh, WolfgangKlein.com, TheWolfOnBayStreet.com. And friends, please, homelessness, support the cause. Help it. Please eradicate homelessness from Toronto. Uh, go to the website, uh, Covenant House, Wolfgang Klein. Uh, please uh, support the cause. It is dear to my heart and well it's a benefit to all of us i want to wish you a great weekend lots of love lots of success lots of health and safety jack and i'll be back with you next saturday right here on 640 shows hi-fi radio 640 toronto you've been listening to hi-fi radio with wolfgang klein and jack hardhill portfolio managers at canaccord genuity wealth management for questions about today's show or any questions about money email wolf and jack at wolfgangkline.com hi-fi radio for the love of money. Join us again next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.